You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Welcome back, listeners. Today we have Hayden and Savannah Paul with us. We are so lucky to have them and grateful that we can break the silence today on creating a culture of repentance with regard to recovery from pornography. And there will be a lot of other subtopics within this episode today, but we're very grateful to have them with us here. Just a little bit about them. They have a podcast of their own. I Stand at the Door is what it's called. It can be found on most podcast platforms as well as istandatthedoor.com. But otherwise, go ahead and introduce yourselves to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Hayden, you're welcome to start. All right. So yeah, my name is Hayden. I grew up here in Sandy, Utah. I went to Brighton High School and graduated in 2014. So I'm 25 years old. And a little bit about me. I really like mountain biking. I like fishing. I'm in the United States Marine Corps, and I currently serve as an infantry reservist at Camp Williams. And I, I was going to share my unit, but I, no one ever understands military <laughs> jargon. Like fourth, da, 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 you know, so it doesn't matter. Where's uh, Camp Williams? Yeah, Camp Williams is in like Bluffdale. Is that where it is out there? Yeah, Bluffdale. Utah. So for your service, (laughs) it's a pleasure. But, and then for my full-time job, I work for an organization called Operation Underground Railroad. Our mission is to um, rescue children from sex trafficking and then to provide them with aftercare. And so we support local law enforcement in that fight against human trafficking. So, and like you said, we have a podcast and, you know, I struggled with pornography for about 10 years and it's a hard fight. And I felt alone for most of it. As a teenager, I hid it for years. I lied and I thought that it was just my fate and I would never be able to overcome it. But through the atonement of Jesus Christ and through a lot of help from church leaders, therapists, and my loved ones and most the Savior, I have now, ever since we've been married, which was Ever since November 2019, I've been clean with pornography. And yeah, me and my wife, we talk about this subject because we feel it to be important. But I want my wife to introduce herself because she's way cooler. My husband said, my name is Savannah. I grew up in a small town called Charleston, Illinois. And then I moved out to Utah in 2015 to start college at BYU. I started the nursing program there and then left halfway to serve a mission in Las Vegas And then I got back and finished my degree, actually just graduated last month. So I'm all done with school, but I had a baby eight days after graduation. So that is kind of my full-time job right now. So that's kind of, I guess, in regard to our podcast, I was kind of one of those people who didn't really understand a lot about pornography. I just kind of thought that's a really bad thing. And people who look at pornography are bad people. And since that time, I have completely learned more about the atonement of Jesus Christ. I have learned more about how to support people who struggle with pornography. And Hayden said, you know, he's been clean from pornography since we were engaged, but I had my own process of like learning how to forgive him when he had a relapse and trying to navigate how that affected me. And so I've been able to kind of share some of my experiences and help other people who may be on the other end of pornography use to kind of understand how they can receive help as well. 
That's so great. I just think you both rock and are the coolest. So, you know, that's rad. And I love, love your podcast. I just want to have another shout out for your podcast. I just think the world needs more Christ-centered, shame-free, awesome material out there. And you're doing it. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you for what you're doing. And we're so stoked to have you on the podcast today to talk about repentance, which happens to be one of my favorite subjects. So ours too. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. And and often we like to start off with just like the definition and, and maybe we don't need to f- define repentance, but maybe like help us understand what you view repentance as both of you. Yeah. So we taught a primary class because um, we're primary teachers. That's our, our calling. We're teach sunbeams and <laughs> we were teaching the whole junior primary though. And we talked about repentance. That was what we want to talk about. And the way we described it, it was so simple, but I, I think it's, it's the best definition out there. We can overcomplicate things, but it's the process by which we learn how to be like Jesus. That's all repentance is. It's the process by which we learn how to be like Jesus. I think of repentance as just becoming better than we are, you know, like because of the savior, we can change. And so we don't have to let our mistakes define us or like ruin our lives or ruin our self-perception, but we can always have that hope of knowing that tomorrow we can be better than we are today because of the savior. Oh, I love that. I would just add to that is I, I, I think that we repent all the time. Like, I think sometimes we just think repentance is when we like really mess up and have to go see the bishop. Yeah. yeah, it's a very formal thing. But I actually am like, I repent by reading my scriptures. I repent by like going to church and saying my prayers because as I do those things, my mind and my heart are coming closer to God and I'm having changes happen. Like little, sometimes huge. Sometimes I'm like, whoa, I really needed to repent. <laughs> but like most of the time, it's just like the greatest and most fun thing is to repent. Yeah. And I, I would add uh, along with that to just kind of build on what you're saying is that, so we talk about how we're trying to build a culture of repentance and that culture is undergirded by an attitude of repentance. So I, I, I don't like to look at repentance as an action. I like to look at it as an attitude, kind of like what you were saying is like, I'm constantly trying to be better than I am. And I try to be as honest and humble as I can be so that as soon as I make mistakes, I can recognize them and hopefully correct them and get better and better at at being like Jesus as I go along. And if we look at repentance as simply just an act that we, we have to do in a very formal manner, then I think our progress is going to be halted and slowed. And we're going to get ourselves in a lot bigger trouble because we're not making a, a lot of small course corrections are way better than a few large course corrections because eventually those large course corrections are going to be too big and we're going to get tired of them and we might just give up instead of repenting. So how does it work with regard to your stories together, your recovery process, the involvement with pornography? What does that look like for both of you? I'll start. I think that kind of the biggest aspect that I was most surprised by when I met Hayden was that he was so open with me about his struggle with pornography. I've never personally struggled with pornography. I know there are a lot of women out there who do, but I appreciated the fact that my husband wanted me on his team. Like he wanted me to be somebody who could pray for him and somebody who he could trust. And so I have had to learn how to support him and how to like the time when he had a relapse during our engagement, 
I had to strengthen my own faith and go to the Lord and say, what's my role in this? What do I need to do? And, you know, how can I also protect my own emotions and my own feelings and kind of learn, you know, how to cope with the way that I've been affected by it? What would you say? Yeah. In terms of our relationship and how this view of repentance has played a role in the recoveries, just, just understanding, um, like I was pretty far down this road by the time I met Savannah, like I had been working very diligently for about three years before I met Savannah and I had made some really good strides. By that time I had gone as long as six months, which, you know, when I was in high school, I was looking at porn every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. And I was lying about it. You know, I went to the temple. I went on my mission to Budapest, Hungary. I I forgot to say that in the intro. And, uh, I, I just lied about it the whole time because I was so ashamed and, what happened was when I finally recognized that that shame was nothing more than just a a tool for the adversary to keep me entrenched in that struggle with pornography, that I I became so much more open and our relationship, like six months ago, you know, when Savannah, her pregnancy was pretty hard, like she was sick. I was stressed out with work and, you know, we were trying to figure out things with finances and all that stuff. I was very stressed out and I told her one night, I was like, Hey babe, like I'm feeling really stressed out and I feel like I'm in a vulnerable place where I could totally relapse. Can you just check in on me every single night and ask me if I stayed on the the straight and narrow that day? That way I'll I'll just know it will help me. It will give me that extra boost to make sure that, cause I know you're going to ask me and I, I, I just, I can't lie to her. I can't lie to her. And so I feel like that repentance process that I went through before I met Savannah has turned me into the type of husband that she deserves. And I've learned attributes that add to our relationship and and our connection and our communication. So beautiful. I I also just wanted to, to share in Savannah, maybe you can speak to this a little bit more, but I feel like there's like a lot of talk about forgiveness and you just like need to forgive and like, how in the heck do you forgive? You know? <laughs> Like it's like a really difficult thing. Can you speak to that at all? Or has that yeah. been your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think what you're describing is just having empathy. Like the more I've learned about the problem of pornography, the more I'm like, oh man, like he's not actively choosing to seek this out. It's something that is like addictive and so hard to overcome. And he's trying like the fact that he would come to me and say, I relapse and I need your help or I relapse and I'm sorry or I feel vulnerable and I need you to to check in with me. That is like so actively repenting that I can have more empathy for him and say, oh, like I'm so grateful that this is something that's hard for you and that you're trying so hard to overcome it. And I also think that something for the people who are supporting a loved one who struggles with pornography, also just recognizing forgiving that person does not mean that you're saying, oh, this did not affect me in any way. Like it's okay to say, this is how I've been affected. This is how I feel. And you can validate that and also support your partner and say, I'm here for you. And, you know, everyone's journey looks different and the resources that they choose to use, like I think therapy is like the best thing out there. You know, it's different for everyone, but I think that there are two sides and there are two parts that need to be understood by both people. And I feel like it's a lot easier to forgive or empathize with someone if they're honest with you, if you have a relationship of trust. Of course, that's something that needs to build over time. But it sounds like wonderfully, Hayden was in a position to be able to share with you up front. It sounds like at a decent time in the relationship, right? 
And with that, Savannah was able to trust right from their get-go. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Yeah. And I, like I said, I had been on the road to recovery and I, I had, even though I wasn't, you know, perfect yet, and I'm still not a perfect person, but I, I still was working to get control of that and to understand my issues with that. I felt confident about the road that I was on. I had made strides. And so there was no reason to hide anything because that was who I was and even who I was at the moment, but I already knew who I was going to be. I knew that I was going to be this. I knew that the the power of the savior was sufficient in order to change me and to help me to become the type of man that doesn't need to cope by looking at pornography. Like I didn't need that. And I knew that. And so that confidence, I think it bled into our relationship and she was able to be confident because I knew that I was on the road to recovery and there was an end to it. And then one other thing I want to say, based on what you said is there's this quote that I love and I've shared it a million times. It's every lie we tell incurs the debt to the truth and sooner or later that debt will be paid. And just like any other debt, right? If you have $10,000 of credit card debt today and you don't pay it off in a year, you don't have $10,000 of credit card debt. You have 12,000 or 13,000, right? And that's the same thing with our lies. They build and they build and they build. And so what do you do with credit card debt? You start, if you're smart, you start to pay it down. And I I would just say those who are listening, who maybe haven't been honest about their struggle with pornography or some other skeleton they have in their closet, you can either start making payments on the truth now or the the moral IRS, the truth IRS are going to show up to your house one day and they're going to take your house, they're going to take your car and they're going to leave you destitute and your family is going to be affected by that. And that sounds pretty harsh, but it's just the true reality that if we don't choose to be honest, that one day all things, and we learn this in the scriptures too, that all, all things will be uncovered, all things will be revealed and that no sin will be able to be hidden. And it happens in a really real way. And like you said, if it is a total different situation to where if Savannah was going on my computer and she saw that I was looking at porn secretly and then she finds out for years I had been, that's a completely different situation than when I willingly go to her. And so what I would say is if if you have a loved one that has come to you willingly, like really try to be empathetic. Don't freak out or over overreact, I guess, even though it might be shocking and something that's hard for you to hear because it takes a lot of courage. And then on the other end, if you're the person that either was found out or you went forward, you have to understand too that this is probably gonna hurt the person that you love. But the fact that it's going to hurt them is not a good enough excuse for you to not start making down payments on the lies you've been telling. Yeah. I really love that analogy. I think that's really beautiful. I'm curious. So when I was young, I was like, oh, repentance is only when you go to the bishop, (laughs) which is not true. And we've talked about like repentance is way more than that. But sometimes we do need to involve our priesthood leaders in our repentance process. And I'm curious as to what your guys' thoughts are on this. And again, this isn't like an official like statement on what this is, right? right? These are just our like experiences and opinions about it. But like, when do you go and see the bishop? And maybe what is like the priesthood leader's role in your repentance? Mm -hmm. I don't know, like exactly how to answer when should you go. But I think that it's the spirit that's going to tell you. I think you always just kind of know if 
if you're feeling uncomfortable and you feel like the bishop is someone who could help you along the repentance process, then that's, I think the spirit will, will help you to know, right? But going back to kind of that analogy of having, like Hayden wanted me on his team, right? When he was in his recovery. And I think that's the same concept with the bishop is that we're adding one more person to our team to help us repent, to help us through the process of becoming more like the savior. And the bishop, he's not like the end all be all of like, he can give you every single answer that you need, but he can give you resources and he can pray for you. He can fast for you. He can, you know, receive revelation for you to help you along the process of repentance. Mm-hmm. And I would say that our idea around confession, like why, why do I need to tell some old guy in a chair, you know, in a suit, why all these bad things <laughs> I did, you know, I think a lot of times we have a bad understanding of the purpose of confession and what's actually happening when we do that. I think a lot of times we think about it as telling on ourselves, right? We're going in there and just saying, I did this bad thing. And the bishop's like, oh, well, you got to do this and this, and then then maybe you'll be forgiven. That's not what it is. What you're actually doing when you go in there is you're bearing your testimony that you believe in Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is when you sit across the table from your bishop, you tell him, this is how I have been. This is where I want to be. And I'm here to ask for your help and your prayers as a testimony that I believe that the savior can get me there. And, and that's what's actually happening when you confess and it, it's relieving, it's freeing, and it adds power uh, to your recovery when you can be honest like that. And so I, I appreciated all my priesthood leaders and not all of them knew exactly what to do to help me with pornography. A lot of them were blindsided. It's not like there's a Bishop school that we send bishops to, you know, for a year before they become a Bishop. It's like they're called. And then that week they have, 20 kids walk into their office that struggle with pornography. And they're like, well, pornography to me was a magazine when I was a kid and I didn't have any. So we have to be understanding, but at the same time, they will be able to give guidance that will strengthen us in our path. And I I was referred to by a church leader to my therapist. And I've actually had my therapist, my old therapist, he's not anymore. And all my files were deleted and everything. Cause now we're, we're friends and you can't really be friends with your therapist. Right. But so that's all, that's all done, but he's been on my podcast. We've had him on five times. I've done other podcasts on other people's podcasts joint with him. And we talk about how effective therapy can be in this fight because pornography is a lot less about our sexuality and a lot more about our inability to cope with stress, anxiety, past trauma, fear of not being able to have human connection, those sort of things. Beautifully said. I really love that too. The way that you explained what going before the bishop and talking with the bishop is like. I love that because repentance requires faith in Jesus Christ, right? Like step one is to have faith in Jesus Christ. Step two is to repent or to like change, right? And so going to the bishop, I think is one of the most beautiful acts of faith that we can ever have. (laughs) I need help. And I, here I am, you know, and I think that that is such a beautiful way to look at it rather than, yeah, I feel like often it's painted as like, just like a confessional, you know, that's not necessarily what it is. It's more of this, like coming to the throne of God and pleading and bearing your soul. This is where I'm at. This is where I want to be. And I just want to emphasize repentance is not a punishment repentance is the escape from the punishment. (laughs) 
beautiful. The, the punishment is is isolation from God. It's it's feeling shameful about yourself. It's it's not being confident with your current state and your spiritual state. That's that is the consequence of your sin. That is the punishment. Repentance is the way out of the punishment. Beautiful. I think that's awesome. Amen. Yeah, that needs to be like broadcasted from the rooftops. <laughs> so on point and like so true. Like we need to get out of our heads that like, oh, I messed up. I have to repent. And that's the worst thing that ever could happen to me. Actually, <laughs> it's the greatest gift. And that's why I love your analogy of the debt. Like if you just ignore the debt or you like think that you can just like tuck it away, it'll never affect you. It won't. It, it will get you. <laughs> so yeah, it's so beautiful. I would like to revisit oh, one more kidding. thing kind of about what we've talked about so far about your relationship with your bishop. And I love all that you both said about what you look at it as, especially like adding him on as a team. Have you ever had experiences where you're like, mm, maybe that's not quite right for me, where you listen to the bishop, but maybe they really aren't a therapist, but sometimes we go to them as if they are. They're not trained. They're not licensed in that way. We go to them for assistance, help, support, right? But like you said, not the end-all be-all. How can we tell or know if something that they say is is right for us or if if maybe, maybe that's not necessarily accurate for us? What are your thoughts on kind of that? I think that the most important concept to remember in any repentance is just that personal revelation is going to be your biggest tool. The Lord is going to speak to you in ways that you understand. And of course, going to your bishop is a huge step in recovery. But like I said before, he's not going to have every single answer. He's not going to be the one that you go to to say, okay, what do I do next? You need to have your own relationship with the Lord and he will help you. I also think it's perfectly appropriate to go to your bishop and say, hey, I tried the suggestion that you gave me and I don't feel like it's working. Do you have other resources that you can give me? You know, he is a messenger from God who will help you through your process, but he does not need to be the only one receiving revelation in your recovery. And we often say that recovery is like a puzzle. Some puzzles are 100 pieces, some are 20, some are 1,000, some are 10,000, right? And every puzzle is different. And so that's why like even on our podcast and even when we have like Bo Bushai on or other therapists or other people that share their ideas, it's like your situation is unique to you. And so because your situation is unique, your recovery is going to be unique. And that's why what my wife was saying is that you repentance and salvation is through your personal relationship with the savior. The reason why the way is narrow or the gate is narrow and the way straight is because only one person can go through the gate at a time. It's one person it's between you and the savior. And so use your Bishop as a resource and be prayerful and you will find those pieces and the Lord will guide you if you're continuing to be humble and prayerful. Beautiful. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have anything that you want to share with our listeners as we wrap up? I'll just share my testimony that while this hasn't been a personal struggle of mine, I recognize that it's only because of the savior that we can change. And I have changed from the savior over and over and over. And I need him in my life in order to be any better than I am ever. <laughs> so I know that it's because of him that we can receive peace and we can really make changes in our lives. Mm -hmm. 
And I'll end with my short testimony too, that, you know, the reason why we call our podcast, I stand at the door is because I've always been inspired by that painting of Jesus where he's knocking on the door and there's no handle. Right. And it's implying that we have to let him in. And I've always pondered on what is it? Why is it that we don't let him in? And this is why I think more often than not, because we have a dirty house and we don't want to invite such an important person into that dirty house. You know, all of you have had mothers that are like, we guests are coming over. We got to clean. Right. And we have as human beings, we just have this natural proclivity to hide our true selves because we're embarrassed. And you can't do that when you're working with the savior. And I would love one day to get, I think it's Del Parson who, who painted that. I'd love him to do a rendition where there's just like a bunch of cleaning supplies behind Jesus as he's knocking on the door, because he didn't come just to hang out with you and be entertained in a beautiful palace. He came to clean your house and that's why he's there. So my invitation to you is to let the Lord in. And as you work with him to clean your house, that you will feel an extra light and love in your life and his grace will make you whole. Beautiful. Amen. I just thank you both. We're so grateful for you and yeah. Thanks for this opportunity. We're, we're really grateful we get to, to share what we know about the savior. Hey friends, here's just another reminder for an amazing resource, especially for your children. Good pictures, bad pictures by protect young minds. We talk about it often because really it is such a helpful resource for parents and for future parents to be prepared for when they have children. It is an Amazon bestseller, so go ahead and find it on Amazon to order it. You can also find it at protectyoungminds.org. And we are so grateful for our sponsors, Protect Young Minds, for helping out with our podcast. So please take a look at Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And there is even a junior version for even the youngest kids. So we are so grateful for Protect Young Minds. Please take a look at their book. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals, and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.